You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Welcome and thank you for joining. Uh, Co-host Scott, not here today. So it's just me, Kevin Parker, your host. Feels weird. I'm I'm not going to lie. I've been doing a podcast the last, oh, two, over two years now. Uh, We had the first podcast with the Downtown Sports Network uh, redid this thing independent about February of last year. Most of that I was doing on my own. Scott came around uh, as a regular contributor here. This is the beginning of the football season. I can't remember last offseason. Uh, he was joining from time to time. I can't remember when he was joining for every episode. I think I, I think it was by week one of the Rutgers game, but yeah, you'd think after so many reps doing it alone, it would be quite normal, but it's been a while, man. It's been probably eight months since I've done a podcast alone, so I hope it's good for everybody out there. We got a lot of stuff that we'll get to. We'll preview the spring game, which is finally here this weekend on Saturday. Uh, we have some information from MSU regarding the spring game. Uh, We'll talk about that. I got a bunch of good mailbag questions that we'll hit on all regarding spring game stuff. So this will be basically your spring game preview primer, however you want to say it. Um, As you tune in Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll have a good idea of what what we should be looking out for. Position battles, all that fun stuff that, that we should be able to read through some of the tea leaves here through spring practice and get an idea of who's been standing out a little bit. But it is uh, it is nice finally getting to see these guys actually on the field. I mean, it's been, as I'm recording this, 127 days since we last lined up for a football game. And that was against Penn State before the last couple games of the season got canceled due to COVID. So really going to be good to see these guys out on the field, get a chance to see some of the transfers, get a chance to see some of the... Uh, early enrollee freshmen, all these guys that we just haven't been able to see on the field. So we'll hit on all of that. Before we get to that, make sure we're following on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Uh, I'll be tweeting a lot during the spring game, I'm assuming. Um, uh, Scott is at Spartan Martin 18. Follow on Instagram at Standing Room Spartans. Go over to standingroomspartans.com. I will be posting an article here this week about the spring game, 
I'll be posting an article that I'm almost finished with, with a NFL draft preview um, for our guys here and, and kind of predicting where, what some potential landing spots might be in terms of uh, range of their pick, in terms of what teams might be interested in them, given their kind of scheme fits and all that fun stuff. So we'll hit on all that. We got plenty of stuff to get to here. Uh, first of all, kind of news of the week around the program was the transfer, the, the kind of weird story transferring of Malik Carr, uh, wide receiver, tight end, probably more of a tight end, honestly, at 6'4, 230, uh, from Purdue. He was a big time recruit just a couple years ago. Uh, I mean, offer sheet. Auburn, Iowa, Indiana, Iowa State, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin was on there as well. Uh, he was he was a top kid, and so he went over went over to Purdue. Uh, that was just didn't really fit in, I guess. Uh, out of Oak Park, decided to come on home. Uh, was a member of the 2020 class, so just one year at Purdue. Didn't really produce, and. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see if he can make an impact early. I think we've talked about quite a bit the opening at the tight end spot, and it's something that we'll get into later in this show regarding the spring game is that's one of those positions where nobody's really closed the deal on that starting job. We've talked about, Scott has brought up many times, uh, Cam Allen, the incoming freshman. He is an early enrollee that's been making a little bit of noise out there as somebody who could go and steal that spot. So Malik Carr could come in. Uh, again, we are you know, look, living in a world where these guys can come in, transfer, and play right away. So Malik Carr definitely has the athletic ability, the physical tools that you're looking for at the position. So can he be a guy that steps in right away? He obviously won't be somebody that will be uh, available in the spring game already, but somebody that we're really excited to see coming in, in the summer probably going to make some noise in fall camp. You're going to hear that name quite a bit. Now, before we get to all these questions, before we get to the spring game stuff, I just wanted to hit on real quick the the MSU program released uh, yesterday as I'm recording this here Sunday afternoon. Um, they released on Saturday the plans for the spring game. We've been talking about wondering, are they going to allow fans, all that kind of stuff. So Saturday, 2 p.m. It'll be on Big Ten Network Live. Uh, as far as in the stadium, for anybody who might be interested, I'm sure you've seen it already, but basically they're allowing 6,000 fans to attend. It's like 11% capacity. Uh, that will be the way they're distributing it is obviously they're going to start with the the big donors are going to get the first crack at tickets and then they'll be available to the general public on Wednesday. So as you're listening to this, if you haven't seen the announcement and you are interested in going to the spring game Wednesday at 8 a.m., go to MSU's website. You'll get a chance to secure one of those tickets. Again, not a whole lot available, so you got to be quick there. MSU students, there's only 500 tickets allotted for students, which, uh, well, I tend to disagree with. I think students make a program, but at the end of the day, you got to make your donors happy. You got to make your season ticket holders happy. Money is the name of the game. I get it. But 500 tickets for students. Come on, man. Uh, concessions are open, uh, all that fun stuff. So should be a good time. I always loved going to the spring game. I uh, haven't been now in a couple years. Obviously, we didn't have one last year. This one 
won't be able to attend even if uh, even if there were more tickets. Haven't been in yeah, a couple of years, but I, I always love the spring game. Free football, you just kind of camp out, you have a couple beers before, um, just kind of relax. You usually have some good sales out at the uh, at the apparel tents outside of the stadium. So uh, a bunch of good stuff. I always love the spring game. We'll get to previewing that in a second. Uh, last kind of bit of news here, I guess. Maybe not really news, but there were uh, a couple press conferences. Mel Tucker, Scotty Hazelton, I thought had some really interesting things that they said. So I'll just run through some of those quotes. Uh, Mel Tucker, he was talking about, obviously the quarterback position is something we'll talk about here. Anthony Rousseau and Peyton Thorne are the guys that are running with the ones right now. The other guys seemingly not really in that rotation as far as working with the ones uh, in practice so far. Not surprising, kind of what we expected, but it is interesting to hear him say that. Eli Collins, somebody that we've talked about quite a bit, just a a really weird, tough guy to peg. Uh, Mel Tucker brought up that he added weight. He's hitting holes with velocity, likes the way he's trending. He's focused this year. Um, And I, I, I think... We forget about him quite easily, but I don't know, man. Maybe last year there was something off the field. There was something where he just didn't come in with that right level of focus. If we see a focused, prepared guy come into the the depth chart this year, you know, we've been talking about Kenneth Walker coming in from Wake Forest. We've been talking about Jordan Simmons, who made quite a name for himself at the end of last year. I mean, Eli Collins could crash that party, man. He's he's the most experienced returning Michigan State running back um, on the roster. Kenneth Walker with quite a bit of experience in just two years at Wake Forest. But um, Eli Collins, just keep looking out for him. Somebody to keep an eye on in the spring game to see how he looks. Does he have that burst back that he, he just was missing last year? Uh, Mel Tucker also brought up the linebacker group. He said it's a thin group. Uh, something that we've we've talked about again quite a bit. Said there will be opportunities for young guys like Cal Holiday and Cole DeMarzo. Interesting that those guys were singled out. Devin Hightower, that's somebody I've been talking up quite a bit the last couple years here, was not mentioned in either of these press conferences, conferences which was kind of sad for me, but we'll see how he plays out on the field. And uh, special teams, man, something that we have, I think, collectively forgotten about how putrid the special teams was last year. The punt game, the kick game, the punt return game, the kick return game, everything was bad last year. And and Mel Tucker addressed that saying that, well, there's just so many things to address. They're dedicating more practice time to special teams which I think is necessary, and and I I almost kind of forgot it. You know, we get wrapped up in the quarterback competition. We get wrapped up in the incoming transfers. We get wrapped up in some of these position groups. We forget about the special teams, and we forget about just how bad it was last year. So would love to see some improvement from that unit where we've traditionally been very strong in Michigan State. Under Mark D'Antonio, our special teams are always on point. So would love to get back to that style of football. Scotty Hazelton had some things to say. Really singled out a couple guys uh, that have been playing really well. Younger players that maybe haven't been able to crack the rotation that he thinks are having a really good spring. Defensive end Jeff Piotrowski. 
He is somebody that didn't play a whole lot last year, but he did see some snaps in, in cleanup time for some of those games. Young player, I think, is going to be able to get a look. Hanson, the defensive tackle, Cal Holiday at linebacker, Kendall Brooks, the incoming transfer from North Greenville. Division two product, didn't play at all in 2020. So really tough to get a feel for his kind of impact right now or or what type of player he is because number one he hasn't played in over a calendar year didn't play at all in 2020 so he hasn't played since the 2019 season and at that time he was going up against d2 competition so it's really tough to get a feel for him but scotty hazelton singled him out as a guy who's been playing really well avery dunn defensive end somebody that was an up-and-coming pass rusher according to uh, Scotty Hazelton, redshirt freshman, and Darius Snow, somebody that we're we've we're waiting for that kind of breakthrough for him. Obviously, the the family roots, the family ties there to Percy Snow, one of the greatest all time Spartan defenders. Darius Snow seems to be making a little bit of noise here in the spring, so somebody that might be able to crack that safety rotation coming up in twenty twenty one. Michael Dowell's been playing a lot in the nickel. They're waiting on some cornerback help here in the summer between transfers, between freshmen. Chester Kimbrough's a guy that we've talked about who isn't in East Lansing right now, but I expect to be competing for a lot of playing time. Other than that, there was one other thing that I thought was good, uh, a good piece of information, that Drew Beasley has been moving inside on third and long situations. So that kind of speaks to something where they're trying to generate some of the pass rush on third down. And and Drew Beasley is a guy with the body, with the size that you can move inside and who is able to to generate a little bit more of a pass rush. Really, we've talked about the defensive end rotation as being probably the strongest position group on the team through and through. So when you have that many guys, Jacob Panishuk, Drew Beasley, Drew Jordan, the incoming freshman, Michael Fletcher, the redshirt sophomore now this year after a little bit of a breakthrough last year. When you can get three of those guys on the field at the same time, you could get a a third and 10 passing down situation and you put out, you know, uh, Jacob Panishuk, Michael Fletcher on the outside, Drew Beasley, and someone like Deshaun Mallory on the inside, that's four guys that can get after the quarterback and and four guys that are going to really make it tough for for opponents to be able to have that time in the pocket on a third and long situation when you got longer developing routes and and the quarterback's got to sit in there for a little bit longer. You bring in one more pass rusher on the inside, I think that's going to make opposing offenses it's going to give them a lot to think about. So, so just a couple comments that I thought were telling. We'll see, you know, as as this week progresses, we'll see after the spring game. I think there are usually some really enlightening comments from coaching staffs just to because we finally get the opportunity to see with our eyes. So how does it match up with what they say? Right. Let's say coming out of the spring game that we think Peyton Thorne just crushed it and Anthony Rousseau misses a bunch of throws, just doesn't look in sync with his receivers. And the coaching staff say, you know, Rousseau, uh, he had a pretty good day out there. He's he's still fight, trying to get some rhythm. It, it It's enlightening to see how different our feelings are compared to the coaches' feelings when we're all kind of looking at the same thing. Right, right now they're the only ones with the information, so we just got to take 
this for on face value, right? We nobody's out there in spring practice that's able to see with our own eyes uh, and compare with what they're saying. So when they say somebody like um, like Cal Holiday is having a good spring, we can basically just say, okay, they, yeah, well, that's that's all we know. But if Cal Holiday goes out there in the spring game and winds up on his back two or three times. And we all just say, what, what are they seeing? Right. That That's where I think it gets interesting. So I think some of the comments that we're going to see from the coaching staff following the spring game are going to be really interesting, especially when we get a chance to see who's lining up where, with what units, with what groups. I think that's going to be really fascinating. So let's dive into a little bit more of a preview here for the spring game again. Um, we'll center this around some of the mailbag questions that I've gotten this week on Twitter. Uh, we got a bunch of questions here, a bunch of good stuff. So thank you guys for reaching out and helping me fill some content as I'm here alone on a Sunday afternoon recording. Scott, if you're listening out there, I miss you, buddy. I'm not going to lie. This is um, it's kind of sad just sitting here by myself, looking out the window um, we got my dog sitting next to me. And so, you know, feel a little bit lonely recording the podcast alone. Not going to lie. I don't know how I did this for so long. It feels weird. But let's get into all that. So at standing room MSU on Twitter, again, ask questions anytime we've talked about it before throughout the whole off season. Uh, if you, if anything pops into your head, if you're listening to something else, if you're listening to the radio, if you're watching sports center, and, and just a good question pops into your head, feel free to send a tweet at standingroommsu. You can also send an email, standingroomspartans at gmail.com. Uh, and the best, the most appreciated way would be to leave a review on Apple Podcast. If you leave a five-star review, ask a question in your review, that is much, much appreciated because that really helps out the show. So, Let's get into these questions. First off, we got from, let's see, Luthon Spartan, L-U-T-H-O-N underscore Luthon. Luthon Spartan asks, I love Elijah Collins, but surprised he didn't transfer. Who are you more surprised is still on the roster, Collins or Theo Day? Also, what are the chances we see more exit? after the spring game based on personal results or lack thereof? Um, it's a good question. We, we talked about a couple shows ago, Theo Day, and how Scott and I were both pretty surprised he hasn't looked to the transfer portal in a day and age where Michigan State has something like 34 new scholarship players this year compared to last year. The... The the roster retention rate, I guess is one way to say it, is drastically different than it was a few years ago. And when you're a quarterback who is pretty highly rated, who's got that prototype size, who's got that arm, I'm surprised that he's sticking this thing out at Michigan State. And then he hasn't looked at trends going, uh, you know, Rocky Lombardi going to the Mac, a place where he, he's probably got a better chance at a guaranteed playing time, a chance where a place where he can get a chance to really show what he can do. So I'm surprised Theo Day hasn't looked that route to go to an Eastern, Western, Central Michigan type place, get a chance to start and show what he's got. Because again, we've talked about, I think this is two horse battle between Peyton Thorne and Anthony Rousseau. Anthony Rousseau and more of the one-year player, right? It's a little bit of a rental, a little bit more experience at the college level. 
and Peyton Thorne, somebody with, I mean, four years of eligibility left if he wants them. So that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for Theo Day to crack a lineup here. So surprise Theo Day is, isn't gone. Eli Collins is interesting. I would have answered this differently, I think, before Mel Tucker's comments on him this week. And I know it's coach speak. I know he's not going to throw his guy under the bus. And and I'm guessing the question was specifically geared towards Collins. So what else is he going to say? But he did mention that they have had multiple personal conversations, you know, one-to-one in coach's office. So I think over the course of this offseason, they've got a chance to sit down together and really talk this thing out and figure out what the hell happened out there. You know, again, was it a, a lack of preparation on Eli Collins's part last offseason where he got complacent as the starter? Was it something where where Coach Tucker came in, he he found his guys and and just wasn't really, you know, maybe he was a little bit set in his ways and and uh, didn't really want to didn't want to to hold playing time in, in the previous regime at, at such a high level of, of I don't know what, what the way I'm looking for it is. He, he didn't want maybe that the old guys were just going to come back into their roles and, and maybe Eli Collins had a problem with the amount of competition he was facing for a job that he thought was his. I, I don't know, and I don't think anybody will know the answer to that that's not inside of that program. So I think... Now hearing some more kind of clarity behind that, that he's he's come into camp a lot more focused this year, a lot more prepared, and that those two have really sat down and talked this thing out. I'm not surprised that he hasn't transferred because for as, as talented as a running back room as it is, I th- still think there is plenty of opportunity for Eli Collins here. So Maybe next year we're talking about a different story. Maybe by next year, Kenneth Walker has established himself as like a a thousand yard rusher with a guy like Jordan Simmons, a guy like Harold Joyner being the complimentary pieces, Eli Collins being a, a third, fourth running back and and decides to go elsewhere. But as for right now, I guess I'm not really surprised he hasn't transferred just because of the uncertainty everywhere, let alone at Michigan State. But Theo Day, I think I am more surprised to answer the question directly. Another question from Luthon Spartan, same uh, username. A couple good questions here. Second one, with Naylor and Reed likely locking down the top two wide receiver spots, who are potential candidates and your favorite for wide receiver three? So this is a good question. This is something that we'll talk uh, more about here soon as well. So there's there's a question coming up uh, from our guy Marshall, MarshallJ93 on Twitter, about basically who's the one player from each class on each side of the ball that this game is really important for. And so we'll kind of hit on the wide receivers a little bit there as well. But as of right now, some guys that could be in line for that wide receiver three spot behind Jalen Naylor behind Jaden Reed, who are the the presumptive starters, who are ultra talented guys who who have earned those two spots, I, I believe. And I think as of right now, from what we know, it comes down to most likely two guys. You have Trey Mosley and you have Ricky White. Ricky White was somebody who last year, we remember that Michigan game, and then he got banged up with some injuries, wasn't able to to replicate that performance 
And then Trey Mosley, somebody who has just also struggled to stay on the field, has been dealing with some injuries. He's got 28 catches for 287 yards in his career on four starts. He had the one start late in 2019 as a freshman. Um, I believe that was against Rutgers in the last game of the year, Illinois, um, late in the year. And just he looked like a really good player in 2019 and somebody that we would kind of center this wide receiver room around going into last year. I think Scott and I both predicted him to be one of the two leading receivers on the team. I think, you know, when we did the stat predictions, I think I had him leading the team in receptions going into last year and and just wasn't really able to. I mean, he started the first game of the year against Rutgers, um, started against Ohio State and Penn State towards the end of the year. Missed that middle stretch with injuries. Michigan, Iowa, Indiana, he was hurt for all those games, wasn't able to get on the field. So just seven catches for 71 yards on the season. But I think he is due if if health isn't a concern, if he's back healthy, feeling good. I think Trey Mosley is somebody who's going to be right back in the mix. 6'2", really talented guy. Um. As far as some other guys to keep an eye on, um, you know, we talked about Malik Carr. I I think he's more of a tight end. Um, So you're looking at CJ Hayes, graduate student. I mean, he's been around the program forever, but he's been somebody who's just constantly done his job, gone out there, made good plays, made good catches. So I think he's somebody who's in the line for some playing time. You have Terry Lockett, somebody we talked about a couple episodes ago, was able to get on the field a little bit last year. Not a whole lot of snaps, but he did play a couple snaps week one as a true freshman against Rutgers. So I think that speaks a little bit to what the coaching staff thinks of his uh, potential there at that spot. Uh, Bontori Foster is somebody else that I'll, I'll look to keep an eye on. He was a true freshman last year, but he played in all seven games and started against Northwestern. Now he only had 58 total offensive snaps on the year. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. When we say he's playing in all seven games, he's averaging less than 10 snaps a game, but 18 snaps against Northwestern starting that game. Wasn't able to get a catch, but couple tackles on special teams, Regardless, again, as a true freshman, was playing in all the games. Didn't play a whole lot of snaps, but was on the field. So I think that speaks a lot to what the coaching staff thinks he can do out there. From St. Ed's in Cleveland, a, a football powerhouse down there in Ohio. So I think he's he's ready for the college game as soon as he steps on the field coming from a program like that. So a couple guys to keep an eye on here for that wide receiver three spot. Uh, coach mix coach underscore mix Danny mixer. One of my good buddies from high school, uh, our starting center for our state runner up, uh, Detroit Catholic central team back in 2011, the 2011 football season when we got our asses handed to us by cast tech, but that was a hell of a year. I think we had a hell of a team. Uh, Danny, I, I wish was able to, to get a look for some college programs, um, was a hell of a player, but he's asking, uh, from his boy from the, uh, what are they, what do they call that area? The, the park or whatever, the, the Plymouth Canton Salem, um, PSEP, whatever it is. 
Um, I know he's from that area. Obviously, Theo Day's from that area. So he's asking, is there still an open battle, like realistically, not coach speak for QB1? How much will the spring game performance affect Day, Thorne? Uh, kind of reminds me of Maxwell and Cook battle in 2013. So I think this is interesting, right? You have the the two-part question, I think, here. So you have, is there an open battle for the competition? Yes, I, I truly believe that 100%. With Rousseau coming in, um, definitely the more experienced guy. And with Peyton Thorne coming in as, as somebody, I think the fans really gravitated towards as he got on the field towards the end of last year and, and was able to really make some noise in that Penn State game early. I think there was that second quarter. He had like three straight touchdown drives. And how much will the spring game affect the the performance, affect the QB battle? Um, to be honest, probably a little bit, but not really. I mean, they're doing these scrimmages every week throughout the whole spring. They'll be doing more scrimmages in the fall. So I think realistically, from people I've talked to, from what I know, the spring game is, you know, if, if we're ga- if we're kind of giving every game or every scrimmage like a, a one on the scale of importance, I think maybe the spring game is like a 1.1. You maybe amp it up just a tiny bit because there is a little bit of added pressure with the fans finally being able to see. So I think the coaches being able to to evaluate the players with that little bit of added pressure and say, okay, you know, you guys are doing well behind closed doors without the cameras, but you're on TV. You, you got the fans in front of you. Let's see how, how it goes now. Um, maybe there's a little bit of added importance to it as far as a, uh, a position battle. But realistically, I, I think with how many scrimmages these guys are doing on a, on a week-to-week basis, I don't think it's as important as we tend to think it is. I mean, D'Antonio had all these wacky like scoring rules. We've we've seen Draymond Green suit up as a tight end. Like, let's not make this more important than it really is. It's a fun way for the fans to get a glimpse of the team going into the fall without a lot of the players that will be on the team. You know, we talked about transfers, freshmen, guys that won't even be there. So I think it is important, but I, I think it's probably less important than we tend to think it is. Next up, Luke Baker, our guy, LW Baker 33 um, Hasn't been asking a whole lot of questions lately, Luke. I see you liking the, the, the mailbag posts, but first time asking a question in a little while. We always appreciate your comments. He's asking if it is two equal teams and not offense versus defense like um, D'Antonio had in the past, who are the two starting running backs? So... I think this is tough. Yeah, I guess it would be tough to say who's the starting running back right now, but I guess when you're asking who are the two starting running backs for the two equal teams, I think it it actually probably makes it a lot easier. I think you're going to have Kenneth Walker as one of the starters, transfer from Wake Forest. A lot of the noise around the spring practice has been that he has looked great, uh, that he's stepped in right away and, and has flashed a lot to the coaching staff, to the other players and saying like, whoa, this, this guy is, is the real deal. And, and his production at Wake Forest in just a couple of years kind of backs that up. 
So I think Kenneth Walker will get one of those spots. And I think Jordan Simmons will get the other spot. He had plenty of good good tape last year. And I think that matters. Harold Joyner is is uh, somebody who's just not really ready yet. I, th- I think he's just not that experienced, to be completely honest. I mean, at the high school level... Uh, or at the at the college level at Auburn, he wasn't really able to to make as much of an impact as he maybe could have. And I, I don't even think he's on campus right now, to be honest. So as far as the spring game, now that I'm looking at this spring, so you have Kenneth Walker, Connor Hayward, Jordan Simmons, Eli Collins, and Donovan Eaglin. So I would assume, yeah, it's it's going to be Kenneth Walker and Jordan Simmons, Eli Collins, Connor Hayward, Donovan Eaglin, the other three guy who are going to see some carries. Um, maybe Eli Collins surprises you, gets one of those starting spots on on one of the two teams because, again, there has been a lot of good words about him and and somebody that we expected to lead the Big Ten in running like last year. So, um, yeah, maybe Eli Collins surprises. But right now I go Kenneth Walker, the transfer from Wake Forest, and Jordan Simmons, the sophomore, back from Marietta, Georgia. And uh, let's see, Spartan 18770, Spartan Bot, one of our favorites here, with what seems like an abundance of wide receiver talent, any chance Jay Johnson uses more five receiver sets going into next season? I love these kind of questions. I love talking about just schemes and and how things are going to be looking. I One of my articles that I have planned for this offseason on standingroomspartans.com is going to be looking at like what's the best possible like lineup for for on each side of the ball right maybe not the one that we're going to be using the most often but what do we think is going to be the most effective is it a two tight end look is it a zero tight end look is it an empty five receiver set so um to be honest, like predictively, no, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of five receiver sets. When you look at Jay Johnson with, in the past few years, whether it's at Colorado, whether it's uh, where he was at Minnesota, whether it's at Louisiana when he was there, um, he that's just not something you've seen. It's it's pretty pro style. His his whole mo. And that's not to say that he's incapable of adjusting, but I, I just, there's a lot of receiver talent on this team, yes, but are there five guys that you're just dying to get on the field? I don't think so. I think there's there's four. I don't know if there's five, right? If you gave me a four-wide receiver set with Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, with um, Ricky White and with Trey Mosley, uh, I, I would like that quite a bit. Now, as like a primary set, obviously not. But I don't know. Um, again, the easy answer is probably not just because we've seen a lot of Jay Johnson as an offensive coordinator. Um, when you go back and watch some of the tape from Colorado last year, from Michigan State last uh, in 2020, from Colorado 2019, from Minnesota when he was there, from Louisiana those couple years where he was the offensive coordinator from Southern Mississippi. They, that, that's just not really part of his game. So I think we're going to see a pretty similar to last year. I think maybe they weren't able to do a lot of uh, as, as much of what he wanted, but 
He is somebody who wants to run the football. He's somebody who wants to really set the tone. He's talked about publicly how important the tight end is in his offense. I don't think we're going to see a lot of five receiver sets, but I think as far as some, you know, one back, four receivers, I think that's something we could see quite a bit of. But uh, five receivers, no. And I think our base formation will still be three receivers, one tight end, one running back, 11 personnel. I think we're going to see a ton of that as we did last year. So I think that can answer that question. And the last one, I wanted to save this for last because it's it's really going to give us the the most in-depth kind of idea here for the spring game. So Marshall J 93 on Twitter, uh, my good buddy. I can't wait to get back and, and get around to golf with him. Uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a hot minute for us, but who is the player from each class freshman to senior on each side of the ball that this game is most important for? So eight players total or 10, if you count red shirt senior. Um, I think some of these are kind of easy. Some of these are kind of tricky. So we'll go by class freshmen, then sophomores, then juniors, then seniors, then the super seniors. Um, and I'll, I'll give you one of each. Some of them I might cheat a little bit, give you two. So of the freshmen, um, so we're counting freshmen and redshirt freshmen here. We're counting sophomores and redshirt sophomores here just to make it easier. Right. So of the freshmen on offense, I cheated and put two here. Uh, most of them, I just, I just picked one. I stayed mostly uh, considerate to the question here, but uh, I had to cheat a little bit. So I think number one is if I had to pick one, it would be Ricky White. Just because we saw that that burning, you know, what the shooting star, whatever it called it. Eight catches, 196 yards against Michigan. Our rival in the big house, Michigan State freshman record, and then just disappeared for a couple games, and he missed the final three games due to injury. So I think fans are really going to be looking for him to show that he's not just like the one-hit wonder, that he's going to be like the trivia question 10 years from now. Like, who is the uh, all-time MSU freshman single game wide receiver leader and you're like oh, i don't know you know who are the great receivers charles rogers and uh you know aaron burbridge or some of these guys and it turns out to be the trick question because oh it's ricky white because he had that one big game and then you kind of forgot about him the rest of his career like he's got to show that that's not the case for him and again like he was injured i'm not like putting this on him or anything but i think for him it's going to be important to show the fans that He's going to come back and he's going to, you know, put himself in a position to have a great career and not just be known for that one game. Then the other guy, I I put Hamp Faye here, incoming freshman, early enrollee quarterback. And I think it's always going to be something that fans are looking for. Who's the next quarterback? You know, we're at, we have a guy in Peyton Thorne who has four years of eligibility, but fans are are already looking like, oh, who's the next guy? You know, we're looking at like A.J. Duffy in the 2022 class. Um, so I think Hamp Faye, just to get out there and, and show that he's capable of operating at a, at a Division One at a Power 5 level. So doesn't have to be spectacular, but I, I think it would be good for him to go out there, make a couple plays, and, and get the fans feeling good about the future at the quarterback position. On defense, I put Cal Holiday here. Uh, he played uh, the linebacker, freshman, uh, redshirt freshman linebacker. 
Again, he was mentioned by Scotty Hazelton earlier this week as somebody who has been taking advantage of some of some of his opportunities here in the spring. Played in four games last year with 23 special team snaps. That's about the extent of his playing time. But at a linebacker position that I think is wide open for playing time, or it should be wide open for playing time. We'll see if that's a realistic thing or not. Um, Cal Holiday is somebody who has the opportunity to get there and, and snatch some playing time early in his career. I think the spring game would be important for him. For the sophomores on offense, it's one simple. I won't spend too much time on it. Peyton Thorne, uh, you're one of two guys in a quarterback battle, and you're the younger one. I think you're going to be the one who needs to, if if it's a tie, like this is kind of the way I'm looking at this right now. If it's a tie, I think the staff goes with Rousseau because he has more experience and just has operated at a college level for a lot longer. He's bigger. He's stronger. Uh, he's he has more experience film study. He has more experience on the field. He's seen more. So at the end of the day, if it's a tie, it's going to go to Rousseau because he's more experienced. So Thorne is going to have to beat him out and make it clear that he is the best quarterback on the roster. And I think part of that is coming out in the spring and, and forcing coaches' staff's hands a little bit and, and just saying, "Look, you know, I'm going to put out this performance in front of everybody." And I'm going to make you play me. So I think this is super important for him. On defense, again, I got two guys here. Darius Snow, just I think with the family legacy, it's it's not fair to him. I'll start with this. It's not fair to compare him to Percy Snow. Is again, one of the great all-time Michigan State football players. But he's got that name, and he's gonna. he has something to live up to. At the end of the day, it's the same thing we kind of talked about with Jaden Reed switching to number one. And the the staff putting out this video comps to Charles Rogers, and maybe it's not fair, but that comparison and that that it puts pressure on you. It, you're going to have to perform. So Darius Snow, just with the name, uh, with his recruiting profile, he was one of the few four star guys on this roster. He's going to have to start making some plays. So I think it's going to be big for him. The other one, Michael Fletcher. Uh, again, he's. Somebody that flashed a lot last year. I thought at times he was the most disruptive player on the defensive line. 6'6", 255, prototype size, 12 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, and just 169 snaps. So Michael Fletcher in, in a defensive line rotation that is really deep this year is going to lose three guys next year. So Michael Fletcher is going to have to be the guy in 2022. Um, I think he's got an opportunity for a ton of playing time here this year, even with Jacob Panishuk, Drew Beasley, Drew Jordan. But we have to remember, guys, like all three of those guys are going to be gone after this year. So Michael Fletcher is in a in an interesting position here as somebody who's really going to have to take a leadership role um, as well as just an on-field dominant role here coming up very soon. Uh, juniors on offense, I put Jarrett Horst. Six foot six, three hundred five pounds. Incoming transfer from Arkansas State. Twenty snaps, twenty starts at left tackle in his career. There, he was an Outland Trophy watch list type of guy. So it just shows you what people think about him as a player. And I think a lot of a lot of fans are expecting him to come in and and start right away at right tackle. So I think him just getting a good performance out there, not not screwing up. 
Let's just, you know, we don't need that replay of, of him getting toasted around the edge and fans. Just be like, oh, man, when are we going to get this offensive line? Right. Just get in there. Um, hold your ground. Don't give up any plays and, and give fans some confidence because we've been dying for a good offensive line for, for five or six years now on defense, chase Klein, because he is one of two linebackers at Michigan State right now with game experience on defense. It's him and and obviously Noah Harvey. And the thing with Chase Klein is he's never actually started a game. He's going to need to really show that he is is ready for the breakthrough that a lot of fans are hoping for. He's played in 20 games. He's got 41 tackles and he's never started any of them. So I think for him to be a guy that's kind of a presumptive starter going into this year, uh, I think it's it's going to be important for him to show the fans that he's ready for that spot. Uh, somebody that has made a lot of plays, but at the same time has made some boneheaded decisions. We don't have to bring up that that hit on the sideline. Like He's made some questionable decisions in his career, so can he prove that he can be a consistent down-to-down guy on that defense? As far as the seniors... Uh, before the super seniors, so these are the normal seniors. You have uh, Kevin Jarvis on offense, and oh shoot, I did two offensive guys. What am I doing here? So I have Kevin Jarvis. Uh, let me go back. I'm going to run through this on the fly. Kevin Jarvis, uh, because I think we're all expecting him to move back inside. He was playing tackle the last couple years uh, to move back into guard and, and be a lot more comfortable and a lot better at the end of the day. Um, so I think him playing guard and just looking comfortable, looking more natural uh, as we're all predicting him to look, I think that's really important for him. The other guy I put is uh, is Tyler Hunt, the tight end, because he, I think, had a really nice year at the end of last year, but he's just um, he's going to be in a tough position here when you're looking at some of the guys that we're bringing in again, Malik Carr from Purdue. Well, we're bringing in Cam Allen as a freshman who's already on campus. So, can Tyler Hunt just kind of keep that momentum rolling? He just got better and better and better every game last year. We talked about that on the pod. Like, I think he's somebody who who we forget about and and we kind of gloss over. But I think he's somebody that's in the mix for reps at at tight end. On defense, I, I think there's really only one answer because there's not many seniors. Um, it's Noah Harvey. He's got to get better. He's got to improve. We've talked about it a thousand times. Noah Harvey has got to show something here to make fans feel comfortable with him being one of those guys. Last up, uh, two pretty quick ones here, the super seniors. You got Anthony Rousseau, the quarterback. You got Drew Jordan, the defensive end. Both transfers, both guys that are going to be showing their first uh, snaps in the green and white. So, uh, you know, again, w- these are things we'll beat to death. Don't need to talk a whole lot more about it, but just make a good impression. This is your first impression for MSU fans. Um, no pressure, obviously. We'll all be watching on Big Ten Network. There won't be a whole lot of us in the stadium, but uh, y- you got to make a good first impression out there, right? If Anthony Rousseau goes out there and just j- tossing picks left and right, um, it's not going to be a good welcoming party. Um, and Drew Jordan, the other thing with him is, is again, there's a ton of competition for snaps on the defensive end spot. So he's going to need to to come in, look good for his first impression at Michigan State, but also, you know, he's got to try to win himself some reps there. So I think those guys, this spring game is very important as incoming guys. So that's 
about it. I, I think we touched on everything that I wanted to here. Um, I don't have anybody to to keep me honest here in terms of something that I'm forgetting. Again, Scott, I miss you, buddy. I, this is this is weird. I'm not gonna lie, this is really weird. I've done probably a hundred podcast episodes on my own, and you know this this one is just. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm missing something here. So, oh, there there is one thing I was missing. I got a tab open. Um, the city of East Lansing. Maybe maybe you guys missed this. This would be how we how we wrap up the pod, and uh, you know send you guys into the spring game. Uh, the the city of Lansing. They they put out like a competition to uh, to name the snowplows. So you know, there's a bunch of fun ones. We'll run through some of my favorites. I I will say the ones that I nominated were Andrew, David, and Michael Plowell um, for the snowplows. I I thought that was a good, good options. They didn't ultimately go with one. They have a couple football related. You got uh, trouble with the cold snap. I love that one. Tom Blizzo was a good name for the, for the snowplow. You have Gordy Plow. I loved that one. Gordy Plow. Uh, Sleetwood Mac. Uh, that that one got a good kick out of. Um, there was a couple other ones. Han Snow Han Snowlo was good, and Snowby One Kenobi. That was my other favorite. So they, you can go onto the City of Lansing's uh, Twitter. They announced all the snowplow names, but uh, I thought I thought Andrew Michael and David Plowell would would get a look there. Um, maybe three different snowplows, maybe as one ceremonial name together, but wanted the Dowell family to get some love there. I am going to just end this because I, I feel weird without, uh, without my co-host. We we've gotten this like little go green, go white ending. And uh, I can't do that on my own. So hope everybody really enjoys the spring game coming up this weekend. Again, follow us on Twitter at standing room MSU and follow Scott at Spartan Martin 18, and we will keep you updated on all the news around the program here. I don't think we're done with the transfers. I think there's going to be some more noise here, um, guys that are going to be popping up out of nowhere. So you're going to want to make sure you stay tuned to the Twitter, to the podcast, share the podcast with some friends that you think are, are looking for some good insight into what we're going to see here Saturday before the spring game, and hopefully... Um, we get some new folks here to the pod and and some people that are going to stick around with us. So have yourselves a great week. Have yourselves a phenomenal Monday as you're listening to this. Everybody enjoy the spring game and we will talk to you soon. Take care, folks.